Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale
Hare Krishna. Okay, one minute. Yep. <clears throat> Hare Krishna. Today, I wanted to start speaking on a topic called Darshan. And I wanted to speak about all the deities that sort of um, came into my life and that uh, I developed a relationship with. Um, of course, so many deities. Um, because I traveled a lot, I've seen, I've seen many temples. So let us see how it will evolve. Um, I, um, we just followed the path of a river, um, which naturally flows to the ocean and in a curving path. And uh, so in this way, we follow a natural path of remembrance um, and may it take us to the ocean of Krishna praying. So naturally, well, my first darshan in India was when I first started to travel to India and there was a small temple, a small temple in Delhi. Um, and somehow or other, I went to that little temple and there was a deity of, uh, of Lord Ram, Sita Ram, Lakshman Hanuman. And I would always go to that little temple um, as long as I stayed in that area. And it became sort of, it was not far from the New Delhi uh, railway station. So um, I always, whenever I was in Delhi uh, in years to follow, before I became, before I joined Prabhupada's movement, I would take darshan of Lord Ramachandra. And so really, uh, I first worshipped Lord Ramachandra. Mm. But to Prabhupada's movement, um, I came to Vrindavan. I was in the Himalayas and uh, with the Tibetan Buddhists and somehow or other, before going to India, a friend of mine had given me a Bhagavad Gita and another friend of mine had actually joined the Hare Krishna temple. And I had visited him once. Uh, I must have seen the deities there also, but I, uh, and that was at the time Radha Gopinath uh, and Gornitai and Lord Jagannath, who are now in Radhadesh. I don't remember that though, but my friend, um, he, he told, I was telling him that I had a ticket to India. And he told me, when you go to India, Definitely you must go um, to Vrindavan. So when I was uh, in the Himalayas and in the, in the village of the Dalai Lama, 
then I developed that desire to go to Vindavan. Um, I didn't like the impersonal side of Buddhism, and, uh, and I went down to Vindavan. And of course, Vindavan was such a place. I reached the Krishna Balaram Mandir in the evening, and at quarter to seven in those days before the RT, I guess, or, well, no, it must have been the summer schedule. So it must have been quarter past six. At quarter past six, no, summer schedule, quarter to seven, that's right, quarter to seven. At night, they would do the Tulasi Puja. And so I got the darshan of Tulasi Devi, and all the devotees were bowing down to Tulasi Devi, to a plant, which was shocking to me. Uh, I said, okay, here we go. Now we are worshiping a plant. Then the wooden doors of the altar was closed, and I saw this small, the doors opened a little, and this small pujari came out, an albino, very white and small, and he opened the doors completely, and then two other pujaris must have opened the other doors, but I don't remember them. And that small pujari was blowing, was blowing on his conch shell, again, must have been three conch shells blowing simultaneously. And, and then he pulled open the curtains and I saw Krishna and Balaram. Mm. But because I stood a bit towards the back, uh, I could also, uh, I could, I think, well, no, I must have seen Krishna Balaram first, but I could also see Radhishama Sundra. And it was just an overwhelming experience. That's all I can say. I was emotionally overwhelmed by the impact of all that. These very beautiful deities, that powerful altar. It just like, it just really, uh, really hit me. Um, yeah. And of course, those were the deities. Um, those were the deities that I served. Krishna Balaram, Radhishama Sundar, and Gwani Dai. Mm. And also the Murti of Srila Prabhupada in the temple. Um, because I used to dress the Murti. Um, and and uh, there was it was a little difficult. You had to pull the arm because there was hardly a gap between the arm and leg. But if you pulled the arm, then the cloth could just slip through. So I learned the trick and I was dressing Srila Prabhupada. There was also Srila Prabhupada's Samadhi. And that was a tiny little shed just with a picture of Srila Prabhupada in there, and his chadar, I guess. But I don't remember that. Uh, but it must be, because that is the, uh, that is the custom. And uh, we would gather there and sing the Guru Vastakam prayers in the morning for Prabhupada's picture, 
and then circumambulate uh, that little samadhi. And of course, uh, later, um, Srila Prabhupada's uh, samadhi was constructed there. And uh, most of the time during the construction, uh, we did stay inside, but there was a short period of maybe a few, few months, I guess, that we were performing the RT inside in the temple to the deity of Srila of, of Prabhupada, who was sitting there with his two beautiful lions on his gorgeous Vyasasan in Vrindavan. Mm. Oh, yes. We had so many kirtans in front of the deities in Vrindavan. And of course, one of the fun things we, we at least which we thought was really great fun was to uh, run up and down in front of Gornitai and to say and to chant Jaya Krishna Balaram, Jaya Krishna Balaram, and then to go in front of Krishna Balaram and chant Jaya Goranitai, Jaya Goranitai, just to remind ourselves that Krishna and Balaram were non different from Gornitai, and Gornitai non different from Krishna and Balaram. Yes, and uh, of course, Kirtan was always centered around the deities. Um, although we'd also make uh, circles and then the kirtan centered around the devotees, but because, uh, but then we would again sing for the deities. Uh, and still, right, this, because in Vrindavan the deities are so prominent, still that means a lot to me, the, the, to chant for the deities. Uh, I still, like to do kirtan in front of the deities. And uh, then kirtan is, is distinctly different when it's offered to the deities. Um, when it's a kirtan and facing the audience, um, the mood changes. It gets sweeter when the deities are involved in the kirtan. Mm. So, Yes, the service um, of the deities um, was in the forefront. In Vrindavan, we would, um, the, the Prabhupada had arranged that at the entrance gate, there was a bell, and that this bell should ring on the hour, and also every half hour, and during the arti, the bell should ring continuously. So starting with every arti, the bell would be ringing continuously. And uh, so the bell was always there. So the bell called us to the temple. Um, the bell was uh, basically telling us the time, and it was the temple bell. So it very much called us to the temple, and then during the arti, it was ringing as like the arti is going on, and it was... Uh, it was very wonderful. Um, so uh, sometimes if I was uh, slightly late, I could fly down the, stair the stairs. Uh, 
I would be so fast from the second story ashram down to, uh, to the temple that the devotees would be paying obeisances in front of the three altars and me, the latecomer. Uh, by the time they finished the three altars, boom, I was also there. Oh. Yes. Uh, but that was rare because I always went to Srila Prabhupada's uh, to Srila Prabhupada's uh, Samadhi Arati. I was very attached to that, to go to that at 10 past 4 because in the morning, because that was um, that was really um, what my connection with Srila Prabhupada. And it is there where I felt I, I had the direct uh, connection with Prabhupada right, in terms of his physical darshan. Yes, in Vrindavan. The other place where there was really a direct connection with Srila Prabhupada was in his house. There also, uh, there was a deity of Srila Prabhupada in those days. Only, only one deity was there and, um, and next door, in another room, there was a bust of Srila Prabhupada. Um, now Srila Prabhupada's house has been extended to a room next door, but that used to be the bank. So that wasn't part of Prabhupada's house. Uh, but the main room and two rooms to the side, in the back, that was Prabhupada's, that was the darshan in Prabhupada's house. Then later, uh, near the entrance, entrance going straight. Uh, there's another room where now often lectures are given. That was the bank. And because uh, Prabhupada had the bank in, in, in the building. Mm. Anyway, so we, uh, in Prabhupada's house, uh, there was the darshan of Srila Prabhupada. And all the paintings in Srila Prabhupada's house also gave his darshan. Um, it gave us the darshan of Vrindavan. Each of the pictures were speaking to us, and I saw some pictures of some devotees who um, who were performing a big kirtan, right? and they'd sent it to Prabhupada, and it was also there, uh, also there. You could see devotees sent Prabhupada these pictures to remind them. It was a sign of their relationship. So... Yes, uh, the deity is present, right? In his picture form, in his, uh, in, a, in a form made of clay, in a form made of wood, in a form made of stone, in a form made of metal. So in various ways, the deity uh, can be worshipped. Dhruva Maharaj was instructed by Narada mm, to perform spiritual life and uh, and Juva he was uh, he was instructed to make a deity of clay furthermore he was instructed to chant Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya and he also uh, followed uh, Astanga Yoga. Mm. So, 
these three processes combined, uh, the deity worship was there, and the mantra was there, and the Islam. So, a very simple form, a form made of clay, but that was fine, yes. So, um, in this way, uh, we developed our, our mood of making offerings to Krishna. Mm. Uh, Bhavananda, at the time Goswami, was the, uh, now Prabhu, he was the, uh, the GBC and guru in Vrindavan. And he would, uh, he would order us that the whole temple uh, had to be spotlessly clean for the pleasure of Krishna. So we were cleaning the temple and, and every day um, um, we were cleaning it uh, early in the morning. At one point the devotees started to clean the temple at 2 a.m. in the morning. Yes. And then it put like a little rose water in, in, the, in the water. They washed the temple and then there was a scent of, of rose water. It was really, uh, really very, very nice. Um, so the temple hmm, would be very clean. We would even, uh, every once in a while, we'd do a ma cleanup and we'd wash the walls. There was uh, one devotee he would be, there were three big chandeliers and one devotee would be polishing the chandeliers, each crystal. And he would be chanting, he was like using a cloth with some methylated spirits to make the crystal really shine and clean. And he was chanting on each crystal, one Maha Mantra. And then he would go to the next. And in this way, he cleaned, sitting on a very large tower ladder. Um, we had this big tower ladder. It looks like something from the Middle Ages that would be used to, uh, to, to uh, conquer, uh, uh, to, to climb a city wall or something in the war, some big tower on wheels. So there was this big tower on wheels and he would sit on top and he would just chant on these beats of the of the chandeliers. It was uh, uh, another devotee, wherever the marble had some stains from, from, from uh, at the join, some water may remain and then gradually it gets a little brown. So one Italian devotee went there with his, with a grinding stone and he was grinding all the uh, all the, the uh, stains of the marble to make it really fresh and beautiful. So the temple had to be like perfectly clean and perfectly beautiful. Then at 7.15 at the time of Darshan, um, it was arranged that as, as the doors would open uh, for the Darshan, that they would come in. Right? And that then uh, the pujaris, they had like uh, a pot with glowing hot gold and they would throw frank incense and then all that smoke started billowing 
and, and, and as the door was open, all the smoke came out. And in this way, um, first there was all the smoke, and then when the smoke cleared up, then we would see the deities. In those days, there was a French pujari, a, a disciple of Srila Prabhupada, named Omkar. And Omkar, uh, he has, has now left this world. But Omkar was extraordinary in the sense that uh, he had been involved in, in, uh, in, in design with cloth and, you know, the, the French haute couture. And he was, he had this gift that he could just dress exquisitely and very, very fast. He would dress all the deities from Gornitai to, to Krishna Balaram to, um, to Radhishama Sundar Lalita Vishak. He was just, uh, just doing everything by himself. Uh, well, he had some assistants in who, at, at one point he got assistants who would put the, the, the petticoats right, on, on the deities. Right? So, uh, you know, like whenever deities wore petticoats, like on the gopis, they put the petticoats and then he would put the, uh, the skirts and everything else, and dupatas and, and whatever else. And the dotis of Krishna and Balaram and Gorni Thai, it was just something. Now, and his dressing was so extraordinary. It was, you never knew what to expect. Right? It was the darshan, right, was always completely different. One day it would be very bright in multicolor, and another day, it was just almost the deities were all silver and the backdrops were in another tint of, of, of gray. And then, and it almost looked like a black and white photo, but then around the head, um, the, the jari and the mukut was all orange, like it had become inflamed. And it was just like, <sighs> extraordinary. And something so completely different. The darshan was always an adventure. Oh. Mm. I remember one day we took darshan in front of Gornitai, flat on the ground. Oh. And they were beautifully dressed in dhotis and in a dancing pose. Krishna and Balaram. Uh, we, we went to their altar. The smoke was billowing out. We offered flat obeisances. They had, they carried their ropes. Uh, and, and we, uh, and then we came to the darshan of Radha Sundar. And there was Radharani. And in one hand, she held a basket with flowers and a bouquet at the same time. And I was thinking, that is Radharani. She makes a double offering, uh, a double offering. That is her nature. And in this way, um, 
we, be, we, we became very intimate with Krishna. Krishna was so close. Very many mm, wonderful festivals for the deities who are there. Mm, very amazing festivals. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, one, one of the, of course, Balaram's appearance day is a very special day in the Krishna Balaram temple because, after all, uh, not every temple has Balaram. And also in Vrindavan, it, uh, most temples are rather in Krishna. So Balaram is, uh, Balaram's appearance day was celebrated with great pomp. And I remember that one year they, um, they put straw on the altar and they brought some calves from the Goshala. And they, they had even, and they had real calves on, on, the, on the altar, on the straw, next to the deities. You might say, oh, how can they do this to these calves? No, I think the calves also made spiritual advancement. They got the mercy from the deities. And they were treated carefully, and there was nice straw on the ground, so it seemed okay. Anyway, so many, so many things were going on. Then Bhavananda, he purchased these big, uh, big oil lamps, uh, like a, a vertical stand, and then with like many branches coming out, like a tree, and each, each one of them having a little cup. And there would be some ghee and a givik. And uh, so all these cups going around on different levels. And like a, like a big chandelier of, of flames. And then we'd have these lamps standing there on the altar at the time of Dhammadarastika. Uh, and each day they had to be clean and polished and prepared for the evening Dhammadarastika darshan. And then these lights were there. And then Dhammadarastaka would begin with beautiful celestial singing and we would just all uh, dance and, and chant uh, in the month of Kartik and offer our lamps. Now, of course, there are such crowds that it's almost impossible to even go in the temple. In those days, it was still possible for us, for the devotees, to actually get into the... Uh, into the uh, the chanting. Mm. Yes, it was um, the Krishna Balaram Mandir. Um, so so sweet, so beautiful. Um, the altar was painted in uh, it, it. It had a green background, a green background, and painted with uh, with multi a multi color. But then lately. Later, they painted it white and wanted to do it up with gold, but that never happened. So then the temple was white for a long time. Later, uh, later it was again, uh, again uh, painted in multicolor, but not as beautiful as it originally was. Um, um, originally, uh, yes, the the. The multicolor arrangements were done by artists, artisans from Rajasthan, and they had like a 
very beautiful kind of uh, matte green and dark red and blue, which are colors you, you can see still in old architecture in Rajasthan. Oh, for the pleasure of the deities, yes. Um, so very much the deities, they were the, the heart of the community. Um, uh, so the, the deity cook named Vibhu Chaitanya uh, was an old Bengali man. And Vibhu Chaitanya, he was something because Vibhu Chaitanya, he would go from his room, which was up in the Brahmachari Ashram, and back to, uh, go, go from his room to the kitchen, and from the kitchen back to his room. When I was, there was, there was the deity kitchen, and then uh, attached to it, uh, some, uh, some serve, deity service areas next to the altar, one place where the deity plates could be washed, and then a little bit before, a room where all the trays and, and plates uh, for the RT could be prepared, and so on. So one of my early services was to uh, wash the, uh, the deity plates and, uh, and, uh, and sometimes I would help Vibhu Chaitanya. Uh, sometimes uh, I would cut vegetables for him and he would just cook on, on, on little coal stoves initially. Later, there was gas, uh, but in the late 70s, yeah, there was a small coal stove, and he would just cook on, on, the, on these, these stoves. Yes, I had a few of them. Uh, chulas, they would call that. So he would cook on a chula, and he would just... Uh, mm, and he cooked all the offerings, all the offerings. Uh, and he made this... Then he had a daily sweet, which was a uh, some sort of very sweet, uh, burfy, uh, a little hard, and and that was the daily sweet. And he always had that daily sweet, and they were very nice and, and tasty. And then he would cook all the milk sweets also, um, and he would cook all the uh, all the other offerings. He would cook everything all the deities. That was it. So you can understand he was just always cooking, cooking, cooking. Then he would go back to his room and I would see him sitting, chanting on his rope bed. He had one of those typical village rope beds that he, that he slept on. Yes. And um, hmm. yes, and uh, of course as the years went by uh, I became more and more responsible for for things, and in due course of time, in the nineties, uh, I became the in nineteen ninety became the temple president, and then Vibhu Chaitanya became very old. Vibhu Chaitanya was not able to uh, to stand any longer; his legs were swelling up, and yes. Then one day I had to ask him. I had to ask him. And I uh, to to retire from cooking, 
So I told him. So I told him that now he should take a new service, he should retire, let younger people cook, and that he should uh, start giving out to China Rita. Um, to the visitors in the temple. So for three days, he didn't talk to me. For three days, he didn't talk to me. Then on the third day, he surrendered. He just couldn't stand. He couldn't do it any longer. So then, Bhuvaneshwar Prabhu, he was at the time the, uh, the Sankirtan leader. And he would sit in the book go down, the storage where all the books were, and he had there the seat of a bus, of a Sankirtan bus. And he would sit on that seat, and the Sankirtan devotees would come in, and he would preach to them. So he had his Sankirtan Vyasasan, and he was giving his Sankirtan lectures to the Sankirtan devotees. But he used to sometimes step in, now that Vibhu Chaitanya was getting sick, and he started to do more and more deity cooking. So I went to to Bhuvaneshwar, and he said, and I asked him, I said, can you take over from Vibhu Chaitanya? And he looked at me, and then he said, okay. That's how he talks, okay. And then he took over, and then he became the deity cook. And he still is. Of course, he has some helpers, some others are also in their cooking, but he's still the main deity cook, and now he's also getting getting very old. Um, yes, yes. The first cooking was done uh, by Kishori, uh, the wife of uh, Surabi, uh, who later became or Sorab, who later became Surabi Swami, who was the architect of the temple. Mm. But Vibhu Chaitanya came soon after, and, uh, and he cooked ever since. Hmm. Yes, then, um, I've never been uh, a great pujari. Um, it's, it's like, uh, somehow or other dressing deities has always been difficult for me to get the clothes straight. Uh, it, uh, to just get it right has never been easy for me. So I always shied away from dressing deities. In emergencies, I have sometimes dressed the small deities. But um, my main service for the deities has always been kirtan. And it still is. Mm. Like, sometimes there's an Abhishek, and they ask me to come on the altar for the Abhishek. But actually, I like to bait the deity with transcendental sound, um, and to just sing for the deity. Um, that is my Abhishek, yes. Baiting the deity with kirtan. That is what I love to do. Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, somehow or other. Uh, so whenever I get that opportunity, then I'm very, very happy. Uh, I, yes. Uh, I remember the year that Lokanath Maharaj 
opened up a new temple in Delhi, in Noida. And many sannyasis went there. Lokanath Maharaj personally invited us. And it's not so easy. It's not so easy to say no to Lokanath Maharaj. He is very, uh, because he's so endearing. So it was on Nichananda's appearance day, and in Delhi, Nichananda's appearance day is quite fresh, so it was cold in the morning. And, uh, and some of, and all of us, uh, and Lokanath Maharaj, he was the installing the deities, he was the Mahant, he was the leader. But the wonderful thing about Lokanath Maharaj that day is that Lokanath Maharaj became the servant of all the others, all the other sannyasis. And he gave them all the prominent positions. He let them do the, the prominent bathing. And he was there, but not, not like in the foreground. And, and then, you know, I mean, Lokanath Maharaj, right? Uh, the installation of the deities. And it's like, uh, you, you, everyone would think, yes. And now Lokanath Maharaj is going to sing. And then Lokanath Maharaj came to me very humbly and says, can you sing? Abhishek, it was just like overwhelming, yeah? Uh, and then I sang. Uh, I sang for the, for the installation. And of course, uh, yes, I... I uh, I, I gave it uh, what I what I could, you know, in that kirtan, and uh, I uh, yeah I sang uh, I sang uh, my tune. Oh, sorry, the phone is moved. Yep. Uh, it's just it's the wire. That's what it is. Hare. It was really nice. It was wonderful. Um, 
that whole culture of of humility that uh, that Lokanath Maharaj displayed that way that was so endearing right and that brought so much auspiciousness in the whole occasion there was so much love there really was so much love in that whole ceremony at that time it was just uh, just a wonderful wonderful event uh, and, and the next morning, Maharaj also asked me to give the Bhagavatam class. And again, that, that humility, that was just something, uh, something I will never, uh, never forget. I'll, I'll never forget. That was wonderful. And yes, uh, you know, the deities, um, the deities reciprocate with the devotees. Uh, it is not just a formal thing. Yes, pran pratista. Um, uh, so at the time of the pran pratista, the deities they have uh, they are blindfolded, and uh, then at uh, then then at the time of the installation, the deity is touched at certain places. Uh, heart is that and certain mantras are chanted and then uh, after that is done after touching the heart after touching various places of the deities then at one point the blindfold is taken off and that's like when the uh, deity is supposed to be fully present right? of course in Vrindavan at the time of the installation of Krishna and Balaram Srila uh, Prabhupada he uh, he mentioned he had arranged for local brahmanas from Vrindavan to come and do the pran pratista, the installation ceremony. But uh, yeah, Prabhupada also mentioned that that was actually all that mantra and tantra yeah, was actually of secondary importance. Huh? He pointed out that really the kirtan was the real installation. Yes. And then we also see the deities are installed uh, by a, a great Vaishnava, and that certainly has its potency. And then after that, it's also the service that is offered to the deity that, that will determine how much the deity is manifesting himself. It's a matter of reciprocation. Huh? When, we, when the deity is served, very nicely and with great care, then the deity is more and more present, more and more present. So in this way, uh, the deity, uh, yeah, as the devotees worship the deity with kirtan, with, uh, with many wonderful arrangements, beautiful decorations, uh, um, Krishna is becoming very, very pleased. Of course, we see in our tradition also how uh, renunciants were, were worshipping the deity and Sanatan Goswami uh, had the deity of Madan Mohan hanging in a tree, so that, you know, hanging off a tree so that he wouldn't touch the ground. And he would just offer him these, uh, these little balls of dough, you know, he just had would beg, get some atta, make some sort of uh, 
patties and throw them in the hot ashes and cook those as some sort of breads, right? And then uh, everyone would just be, uh, uh, well, that's what they would eat. And uh, that was offered to the deity. And then uh, we know that Madhun Mahan one day said to Sanatana Goswami, asked for some salt, and Sanatana Goswami chastised him. He said, we are renunciants, and you know, what do you want now? Now we start with all this. You wanted to come to me. You came in my dream. You told me I should worship, but I'm a renunciant. I cannot provide all these things. Um, so renunciants are worshiping in a different way, in a more simple way. We see that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given a, a, a Govardhan Shila, and that Govardhan Shila, he, he would simply just hold that Shila in his hand. And his worship was simply, he would cry. He would cry and tears would stream from his eyes and bathe the deity. That was his level. He just worshipped the deity with pure love. And, mm, that was so... In this way, uh, Raghunath Das later, after three years, he gave that deity to Raghunath Das and instructed Raghunath to bathe the deity with water, offer eight Tulasi Manjaris, each with two leaves. Then later, uh, Swarup Damodar Goswami also arranged that some sweet would be given to Raghunath Das, which he could offer to the deity. Mm. Like that. Um, so then we see Raghunadas was also very strict in his renunciation, living very, very simple. So, therefore, he could not, it would be in contradiction uh, to these things. Uh, it would be in contradiction to the, uh, yes, to, uh, to his renunciation, if he would worship the deity with such great opulence. Yes. So that is very, very nice. Very, very nice. Yes. Um, very nice how all these amazing, uh, amazing standards took place. But even, even though Raghunath Das was worshipping in a very simple way, still it was done with great, great devotion. We can see the Saligram Shila, uh, which was later given to Krishna Das Kaviraj. And, uh, and we can, um, can see that Saligram Shila now in the Radhakokulananda temple, the one of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, uh, and it, it, uh, it said when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was holding the stone very close in his hand, the stone would melt. And therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's thumbprint is there in the stone. And so the stone, the, the Govardhan Shila has no, uh, no, it's not decorated with anything. It's just as it is, right? as it is, being worshipped as it is. And it's just, yes, well, it's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So, so much mercy is there. Yes. So the darshans 
of the deities are very, very uh, valuable to us. Right? And uh, yes, so I'll, I'll uh, continue this, this talk over, uh, over a few days uh, and see uh, where it goes. Um, but just uh, just about uh, our our personal relationship with uh, with the deities. Thank you very much. Si si Gornitai ki jai. Si si Krishna Balaram ki jai. Anantakoti Vaishnava Vin.